Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey everybody, how are you doing today? Mate Sleep Khan here, and you are tuning in to FinTech Fridays, brought to you by Canada's National FinTech and Crowdfunding Association, also known as the NCFA. Today, I have, I have an incredible guest today, okay? If you heard of the company Lending Group, I have the CEO today. I got Kato. Kato, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I mean, I'm very excited to just get this show on the road. I mean, uh, we have a very, very interesting topic, and I'm very excited to share with the people. Yeah, uh, I'm excited as well. Thanks for having me on. So, I guess... For just a minute, could you just give us a little bit of your background and essentially who and what Lending Loop is? Yeah, uh, Lending Loop is Canada's first marketplace for small businesses to be able to access affordable financing uh, and then investors, people like yourself and myself who want to lend money directly to businesses. So essentially what we're doing is cutting out the traditional intermediaries who will do lending and rather allowing businesses to be able to access financing from regular Canadians who want to lend money to them. I'm glad that I can, uh, you know, be my own little investor and help out as many small businesses that I can. I mean, the topic that I really want to talk, discuss with you today is a topic that many of us probably seen in the media, um, be it from blog posts or just even from videos, would be open banking. So could you guess a little bit, tell us what open banking is and I guess how integral and what this means to the banking space? Yeah, open banking can generally uh, cover a lot of different areas or, or mean a lot of different things. But but at a high level, generally, kind of what people are referring to is the ability for people to be able to access banking data or other companies to be able to access your banking data. So uh, it's likely that you and I and, and probably the people that are listening to this have a bank account with maybe one of the big five Canadian banks or perhaps a smaller bank. And they have a lot of data on transactional history around us, who we are, our address, all, all types of possible information, as well as transactional bank information. Now, that information is incredibly valuable. And really, the theory is that that information should belong to you, not actually to the bank. And what open banking is really kind of contemplating is sharing that information or at least giving you the ability to access and share that information at your will. So if let's just say you want to give Lending Loop access to that information, very seamlessly, you would authorize the bank to give us that information. We'd be able to access that in order to provide you products and experiences. Huh. Okay. So it, it, this kind of, um, this really ties into, I guess, having a digital identity and having a sovereign identity, right? Of We're, we're seeing a lot of people pushing, be it from individual like CEOs like yourself or just other institutions or other, um, I guess, organizations pushing for this digital identity and that having a digital identity would just be one more step closer or open banking would be one more step closer to having digital identities and having companies in the future actually recognize digital passport in a sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it or not, in a, in a capitalist driven society, finance and financials are really a core to who you are from an identity perspective, not just from a verification or, or an identification perspective, but more importantly, kind of make up a lot of the important pieces of information and determining who someone is. And so when we think about kind of open banking, exactly what you just referenced is true. You know, we're talking about layering on financial type information onto somebody's personal profile, if you want to call it that. So um, absolutely, like th this is really something that, that is kind of critical when it comes to determining you know, what that future of identification and, and ID profiles look like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I like the aspect of uh, you get to pick and choose uh, who you share information with. It's a lot like, 
uh, I guess if you have an Android phone, you can actually go within the apps and then you can kind of like pick and choose what the app could get access to. So it's kind of interesting of like, it's the very similar concept, but like more to like a broader perspective of like, yeah, Lending Loop can have this, 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 and this, but RBC or TD uh, can't have access to that. So I like that. I like that. I like yeah. that concept a lot. That's a, that's a really good analogy. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think one that a lot of people identify with, you know, even with Facebook being in the news a lot lately, a lot of it is around that and like who gets to see your information and who gets to share that information. You know, open banking is basically extending that to the financial realm. Like who gets to access and see your financial data? Because up until this point, it's really only been banks that have been able or allowed to see that. And maybe it's, it's actually to your benefit to be able to share that information with either, you know, people that you know or, or other companies that you want to do business with. I mean, wouldn't open banking be a threat to the current banking system now? Because now what open banking is, or what I'm understanding is, it's just going to open up a broader marketplace for people, for customers to just be able to pick and choose and just switch between banks with a, with a couple clicks, right? Of like, I can switch my mortgage plan if I currently have it with CIBC. I can switch it to TD because I got these better rates. Or I want to switch my savings plan from RBC back to TD or whatever. So I guess... Why would banks themselves even put their hat in the ring for this? And why would banks even try to consider this at all? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think that they, uh, it's voluntary. Um, I think like mm-hmm. it's more, more part of a, a general pressure to provide better, better experiences to consumers. You know, banks are an oligopoly and they're, they're highly regulated and they're essentially protected by you know, governments in, in every jurisdiction, including Canada, right? So you know, banks are, are incredibly hard to create. They're also uh, inc- incredibly hard to break down. Now, so when we think about like why this might happen, really it's to people, you know, it's to the benefit of the people who use banks. So just, you know, regular people, the customers and the businesses that uh, leverage banking services. You know, it's in our interest to be allowed to access that data. And I think kind of philosophically, a lot of people believe that that data actually belongs to you, not to the bank. Uh, You know, the bank is kind of providing us with that service. But at the end of the day, the data that they're leveraging with the data that we're providing to them, you know, a lot of people kind of have the sentiment that that belongs to us. Now, what that actually means from an implications perspective is, you know, people who are looking to build better products or better experiences for customers can now do that by kind of treating banks as kind of like your backend infrastructure, right? Like traditionally, you think about banks as you were kind of just describing it as, you know, the, the end-to-end delivery of a product or a service, right? Like you know, they're giving you credit cards, they're giving you mortgages. Well, you know, the bank doesn't have to not exist if somebody else is to provide a credit card or mortgage. They can rather just kind of be the back-end service provider where they allow other people, you know, other companies to basically be more of that front-end customer-facing solution that leverages their infrastructure, their data, maybe even that technology to be able to deliver some of those solutions. So, you know, the, the reason that, that we're moving in this direction is because at the end of the day, it's a benefit to the customer, benefit not just from an experience perspective, but also financially. You know, on average... Canadian banks are generating about two two x the the average ROE of uh, of US banks uh, and three x the average ROE of UK banks. So when you think about it, that, you know, you, people like yourself and myself are actually paying for that. And you know, it's not not surprising to think that policymakers and politicians want to kind of shake that up and actually give some value back to customers who are actually using Canadian banks. Going going back to I guess the uh, cell phone analogy. Uh, in more of a market, like like actually a true and true marketplace, right? We'll have like the TD version of an app store and you'll have like financial tech companies like ourselves coming in and just providing all these services, right? 
Uh, in a way, I mean, in there's way, many okay. different ways that it, you know, there's many different ways that it could play out in practicality. That that's for sure one of the ways. You know, what what a bank becomes, I think, is an interesting question and probably one that we could we could uh, you know spend a whole hour talking about, like what a bank might look like in the future as a result of it. But I think that the, the underlying thing is that um, they they need to uh, share or open up that data to people who want to access that information. Mm-hmm. And and it just makes I mean again I'll be thinking of this more of a um, from a fintech uh, standpoint because I'm just so much for uh, on team David here. Uh, it just makes banks even more like customer centric, right? Yeah, I mean you know go, going on that point about being customer centric or, or delivering product experiences that are better or cheaper for customers, uh, you know fintech or financial technology companies are able to do that much better than banks are. And so as a customer, I'm going to win by being allowed or or being enabled to access those services more seamlessly. Uh, You know, going back to your your early point, maybe it's not directly in the interest of the bank, but but in the long run, it's it's kind of in the the overall interest of Canadians. So how do you see open banking impact companies like yourself, like being in the loan service industry and giving more customers to get shop around? Yeah, uh, I mean, for, for us, uh, you know, we're, as, as you mentioned, we're in the lending industry, if you want to call it that, you know, we're in the business of kind of connecting investors with small businesses. But when you think about what we do at a higher level, kind of really what we're trying to create is a better way for small businesses to access financial services. And, and the reason is, you know, that's, that's a particular segment of customers that have been underserviced by, you know, traditional financial institutions or, or traditional lenders. So, you know, when we think about kind of what this means for a company like ourselves, it's not just about how it applies to potentially your lending product or how maybe it makes a loan application more seamless. It also opens up doors of possibilities for us to be able to deliver other products and experiences to those customers who may not have had access to those products or services before. Awesome. So it gives you an opportunity, I guess, to be more or less a little bit more of a diverse company than just being centric on one part of the banking industry, right? Yeah. I mean, on, on you to kind of just keep hopping on that point, you know, you want to be customer centric. It allows you to be more customer centric because you're able to access more of the relevant information to your customers and provide them with better access to products and services. Yeah, no, absolutely. And especially if you have the data to back that up, so then you can get, make it very tailored and very niche. So that's, uh, that's very incredible. So I guess since open, open banking is a very brand new concept and you're seeing regulations being a little bit more tailored to the country, I mean, you're seeing places in the EU, right? Like they just adopted their second uh, payment services directive, right? The P2D2, which forces banks to open up their da- data and regulate the new market, right? So they're making more of a push that the financial tech companies that are allowed to have access to your data have to be actually regulated, have to go, have to meet these guidelines, have to pretty much jump through these hoops. So based off just stuff that's happening in the EU, in Australia recently, um, you're even seeing in Japan, they're slowly getting started. What does open banking regulations look like in Canada? And I guess, how would you want them to either be similar or different tailored to the Canadian market? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. I think you know if you look at the progress here, generally we're about five to ten years behind uh, any other jurisdiction when it comes to financial regulation. Generally speaking, you know in our industry, for example, we're significantly behind new jurisdictions like the the UK, or Australia, or New Zealand. So, uh, I, you know, I don't think you're seeing the same level of progress here in Canada as you're seeing in other jurisdictions. I think we're going to be much slower to adopt these things. There, there can sometimes be an advantage to being second or, or, or not being first. Uh, and that advantage can be seeing what goes well and what doesn't go well in other jurisdictions. 
Um, I, I think like, you know, thinking about what this might look like, I think really you got to go back to who is this benefiting? And at the end of the day, this is about driving value back to consumers, driving value back to the people who use banking, driving value back to small businesses. So when we think about kind of what that might look like and what regulators need to consider when they're kind of creating uh, new legislation or new frameworks for these businesses to exist or, or, or these policies to exist, really, I think the most important thing uh, to consider in that regard is how is it, like, who is it going to benefit and how is it going to benefit them? I think something that like kind of is, is light touch in terms of uh, what it actually means for, you know, fintech companies, what it means for consumers, what it means for banks, uh, won't, won't end up being that effective. And we'll probably see a little you know, minor adoption. I think I'd rather see us spend some time and create uh, a robust strategy and policy uh, around how we can create really rapid innovation in our banking sector. And I'll kind of give you the flip side of that coin. If we don't do that and we don't do a great job of it, international companies that do benefit from open banking, do benefit from fintech advancements and changes are likely to come to Canada at some point and kind of dominate the, the market here. So, you know, the, the incentive is there because I think we have a great opportunity, but there's also a massive kind of warning that I would give and, and a risk, which is if we're not fast enough to kind of jump into the race, we're going to get beaten by our international counterparts. So, you know, that, that's something that I really kind of, um, think about from a regulatory perspective, which is you want to get it right, but you don't want to spend too much time that you end up getting left behind. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, traditionally Canadians are very much by the book and they like to stay within uh, the lines. So it, it, it makes sense that Canada, I guess, state, like you mentioned, right, either becomes second or third or fourth uh, when it comes to I guess, fully adopting open banking and just later on hopefully dominating open banking. We should probably like take our time, understand it fully and actually the the more information we have, the more, again, data we've collected, uh, we can actually move accordingly towards that. I mean, and again, like it's evolve or perish, right? It's, if we don't figure out fast enough, we're just going to die out and nobody wants that. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at kind of like what's happening with Netflix, you know, Netflix is, is I think inevitably going to destroy the media industry here in Canada. You know, when we think about Rogers and Bell, Kojiko, you know, th- those companies, have been protected by our government for so long and regulation has been so slow to change. And, and people have heralded that, you know, on the flip side of that, we're now seeing companies like Netflix, US companies that really have no attachment or, or need to exist in, in Canada from a, from a domestic point of view. You know, they're, they're solely headquartered in the US, their assets are in the US, the capital is flowing into the US when we pay on Netflix bills every month you know, they're slowly but surely taking over that industry that was once Canadian. And I think that there's a, there's a stark warning there to think about there is a real possibility that that happens in banking or in the financial sector here in Canada. So I think, you know, we do need to move pretty quickly because I think if we give the same attitude that we do in the telco industry or in the media industry, that's definitely not a good sign. So while being thoughtful is important, taking too long is perhaps even more dangerous than that. But on that note, it'd be, it'd be kind of funny to, to when we have kids of just kind of like, yeah, you know, like before they had to get is uh, Bell and Rogers and actually have cable. Like, <laughs> now, now the big three or the big four are like Netflix and like Amazon Video and Hulu. So that'd be <laughs> that'd, that'd be really funny um, to see. Yeah. Regulations and but the problem is the problem is is those companies aren't Canadian, right? 
like that's that's like the the fundamental challenge that that you know people don't talk about that often but that's a lot of capital and a lot of profit that's being sucked out of Canada and like that really scares me when i think about the future of the canadian economy like i don't think we should put that as lightly as you know as, as we do you know great for me as a consumer i'm paying one tenth of what i did on my rogers bill on my netflix subscription but at the end of the day like i think we're all kind of losing a little bit as canadians and i think that's something that like you know regulators and policymakers really need to pay attention to yeah no absolutely agree with you because it's yeah. i mean doing the show um I, I get to sit down with amazing ceos um like yourself and just understand the canadian fintech marketplace a little bit better and it would really suck to see and like just the Canadian fintech space just kind of slowly start diminishing because there's so much potential, there's so much promise and so many companies in the space itself are doing such amazing things. It really sucked to have, I guess, a either American company or an Asian company to come in and just undercut everybody, right? Because we don't have the yeah. regulations in place. We don't have the right rules in place because, again, we, we took too long to figure it out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like like you said, there's so much potential here. I think like we need to, you know, really pay attention to that. Um, look at the positive. Like I don't like kind of always being being negative and saying like, what if, you know, what if this happens or what if a, you know, a US company comes and dominates? I, I think there's so much potential and so many positives here. There's so much of the right infrastructure, but like sometimes I think the speed or the urgency doesn't exist. And I think like that's the that's the one thing that I think all of us as a community, both you know, the, the people that use our services as well as uh, the companies in the space, I think we could all do a better job of kind of stressing that urgency to push things f- forward faster and, and innovate faster just kind of for our, for our own benefits as well. I guess, do you, do you see open banking being a little bit more global? And because, and the, I mean, the reason why I'm asking is because we're going to, we're going to hopefully have regulations here in Canada when it comes to open banking. You're already seeing this in the EU and you're starting to see this in Asia, Australia, and New Zealand, like you mentioned. Do you see a global uh, open banking regulation put in place with a, I guess, be it a Frankenstein version of some rules and regulations from Canada, some rules and regulations from the, uh, from the EU. Like, do, do you see a global open banking regulations put in place later on once we fully adopted this concept? It's a, it's a good question. It's, it's also a really difficult question. It's kind of one of those things like what comes first, you know, the chicken or the egg <laughs> type of things. And what I mean by that is, I think what's going to happen is that there will be you know, global banking existing and global financial technology services existing before regulation for it actually exists. Like, oh, wow. Okay. I believe I'll be able to have, you know, quote unquote, like the, the ability to move money seamlessly anywhere in the world sooner than I think regulation around how that's going to happen will work. And I think you can kind of apply that if you look at like Uber and Airbnb and then those type of companies that have kind of come before regulation caught up to them. I think you're going to see the same thing in open banking. I, I don't think that you know, companies are going to wait for regulators to create new rules or policies. I think that the innovation is actually going to come first. And I think like some of those products or services that probably fall on the, the, you know, on the edges of the, of the categories of banking will probably force the issue for that to happen. That's just kind of my theory on it is I think, you know, the, the regulation will, will tend to lag the innovation. And, and I think you'll see that in the, in the open banking space as well. I was going to ask that next stuff. Like, usually when you think regulation, you don't really think innovation. So that, that, that'd be, that'd be a, that, that's, that's such a very hard balance to have, right? You still, because you want to protect investors, you want to protect consumers, but at the same time, you don't want to be in last place. So it's, it's a very hard beam to really balance on. 
you end up shooting if you're over protectionist you end up shooting yourself in the foot right like i think the notion there's, there's a sometimes a flawed notion that no industry is better than a bad industry and that's very rarely the case you know like at least having the the possibility of of making mistakes and learning from those mistakes gives you a better foothold than simply you know, not doing something because you're scared to try it. And I'm sure, you know, if you speak to anyone who's in the startup space or, or has worked in an early stage company, you know, they'll, they'll give you a similar message, which is, you know, not trying is definitely much worse than trying and failing. And, and I think, you know, that's a really difficult message to share with a regulator uh, or a policymaker. Like that, that's a really scary thing to say for some, to somebody like that. But it, it, it's definitely true because there's other people in the world who are thinking like that. Uh, and I think like that, that's something that, that I think we as Canadians have a, have a big thing to overcome. Going back to what you said about conservatism, you know, we are inherently more conservative. And so getting over that barrier is definitely something that, that we have to kind of actively think about. We, de- we definitely have to, I guess, bite that bullet and understand that like we're, we're really going to have to test and learn, especially when it comes to policies and regulations, because open banking is such a new concept. And it's such like you said, like even when I even mentioned the whole, oh, it, I guess it'd be like an app store. It, it might not. Right. <laughs> so open banking is such like, I guess, a fluid and like lucid concept that it's going to have to be as fast as I guess changes in a startup. Like that's the mentality we're going to have to have when it comes to open banking, because that's how fast and fast pace it's going to become yeah i mean um there's lots of there's lots of you know variables or unknowns as you said so it's not it's not a there's no simple or straightforward answer to this you know there it could be an app store it could be uh that it fundamentally changes the way that banks look it could even be that banks don't exist at all you know i i wouldn't rule out any possibility so you know when we think about what what it means for the future of the financial sector or the future of banking i think we have to be open to all possibilities in terms of what might things look like in 5 10 or 15 years so when you think of open banking one of the first concerns to mind would be the cyber risk and the security risk right because since we want to open up the data and make it accessible for quote unquote all there's definitely going to be privacy concerns could you talk a little bit more on the privacy concerns when it comes to open, open banking or why or why not it might be there and i guess go a little bit more in detail about that yeah you know if anything i i kind of view it as uh, at least if it's done right i view it as better for the customer when it comes to things like privacy like what what it really is you know when you think about it is giving people access and the ability to control their own data and where that data goes and who it gets shared with like right now, you, you have very little control or say over you know, where your data is, how it gets stored, who it gets shared with. Like really, you're just trusting whoever you're storing that data with. I think we're starting to see that change. You know, I think especially like Facebook is probably the biggest example of this that's, that's obviously been in the news a lot over the last year. You know, they've been inc- you know, under an incredible amount of pressure to get better at, at, at exactly what I just described, which is you know, giving people uh, oversight over where that data is, how it's managed, how it's stored, and who gets to access that information. I think there's a similar opportunity here with, with finance and with banking where you're giving the customer control over their own data. And for me, there's, there's no better way of, of doing it than giving, uh, you know, putting the control in the hands of the customer. You know, if they choose to give somebody access to that data, that's their choice, but they should be fully aware of the choice and, and, and fully aware of the consequences of doing that, right? So, you know, when I, when I think about this, I think there's a tremendous opportunity because, you know, we're, we're really opening up a world that is significantly more transparent than the world that exists today when it comes to data and privacy.
Do you, do you see open banking? I mean, I, again, we, we did talk about being open, just open-minded, but do you see open banking going into blockchain and becoming a little bit more decentral so the security risk gets greatly mitigated? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a use case for blockchain. Now, do, do I see that actually happening in, in the short term? I, I would say probably not, just based on like the amount of change that would be required to move to that infrastructure. But I think it's definitely a use case for that type of technology. I think we're kind of, you know, we're talking about the same thing at the end of the day, which is giving that access control uh, privacy back to the individual. Uh, and really like, you know, technologies like blockchain technology are, are really about um, doing exactly that. So I, I can't predict whether or not like that, you know, that's going to happen or whether it's going to happen in the, in the short to medium term. Um, but I, I would say it's definitely something that, that could play a role in mitigating some of those risks. I also think that, you know, one, one thing that, that is important is regulation and policy has a really important role to play there as well, right? Like in terms of who, who's allowed to play, who's allowed to access that data, that, that's really where uh, regulators need to step in and, and be, be, be focused on, which is kind of keeping the bad actors out and, and keeping the good actors in. I think that that, that, that would kind of be like the, the, the high level answer I, I give to that, which is I think there's some opportunity for it, but I think it's going to take time to fully flush out and, and really for us to determine how it's going to work practically. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the whole uh, keep the bad actors out and keep the good actors in because that's something that we've been, uh, many guests have actually touched on that in the, in the previous episodes because the bad act, like it's as much as it very much sucks, you're seeing a lot of bad actors get a lot more notoriety and if not more media exposure. When it comes to like, yeah. like spaces like fintech, spaces like crypto and blockchain itself, because it's so new and so revolutionary, and it's very easy to just really to, to really shit on them because it's just like no, like look at all the look at all the bad use cases. Well, what about all the great use cases? So just uh, it, it goes back to like having policymakers and regulators having a little bit more of a startup mindset of just like being a little bit more open of okay, under, like learn how to vet the good actors and how do we keep them? How do we make sure that they're being regulated but also innovative at the same time? So it's Oh boy, it's definitely it's, they're definitely juggling like fifteen balls at the same time, but it's, it's very but in in due time it's very possible, right? Yeah, there's a lot of balls to to, to juggle. Like all of these things are double edged swords, right? Because you know when you're too strict, you kind of disincentivize the good actors, and you end up with only bad actors who are trying to take advantage of gaps in the system, right? Like that. There's, there's so many times where you need you know you can't be too light and you can't be too heavy. If you're too heavy, like I just described, you know, you, you end up with a system whereby only the only people who are incentivized to play are bad actors who are looking to take advantage of gaps or holes. And if you're too light, it, it's kind of like the, the, the inverse of that as well, right? Where you let everybody in, but you, you, you really open up the floodgates for you know, anyone, whether they're good or bad, to participate. So you kind of have to find a balance between being too light and too hard. And, and that's definitely, you know, it sounds a lot easier than it is in, in, in reality. Um, it's definitely not a, an easy challenge for anybody to overcome. I, I guess I'll throw this to you. Do you have any anything that we didn't cover um, when it comes to open banking that's either been on top of mind or be it something that's been keeping you up at night? Um, no, no. I, th- I think um, like I think it's been a really interesting conversation. So I appreciate you kind of taking the time and, and having me on. Um, I think uh, you know when, when we look at the future and what this actually means, um, I think one of the th- you know, one of the things that I always uh, try to remind people is, you know, reflecting back on how is this actually going to impact me? You know, you hear a lot of buzzwords thrown out there on, on a regular basis, machine learning, AI, blockchain, open banking, fintech, but like really like what it, what it means for you as a customer or as a consumer is 
you end up getting more choice, you end up paying less money, uh, and you end up with better products and, and services that you can use in your everyday life. And like, that's why, that's why fundamentally it's important. So I think kind of going into the why, like, why should I actually care about this? It, it's probably a conversation that we don't have enough. I think it's, it's easy to kind of get carried away with some of these concepts at a high level. But, but at the end of the day, we also should be thinking about who is this actually going to be benefiting and, and why is it important for us um, as a society to adopt uh, new ideas or new technologies? And, and if it's really got to go back to it's got to benefit the people that are using that are the end users um, of financial of our financial sector. And that's just people like you and I more or less believe the hype, right? <laughs> like the hype is real. <laughs> believe the hype. Yeah, but also understand it. <laughs> yeah. OK. Fair, OK. Fair enough. <laughs> so what I guess what excites you the most about open banking? I know we've talked we talked a little bit about it, but like what are you most excited about? Be it if it directly impacts your business or even if it directly impacts you, um, what are you most excited about open, when it comes to open banking? Yeah, it's, it's giving people choice. Uh, you know, for me, I, I get really frustrated by lack of choice. I get, you know, get frustrated if I can only choose between Rogers and Bell. You know, I get frustrated if I can only choose between one or two banks. I think for me, the ability to be free and have choice and, and have, you know, lots of different people who are aggressively trying to compete for my business is really great because at the end of the day, I win uh, when that happens. So I think, you know, when I think about this, I think it's just the possibilities in terms of the different products and services that people will be able to create by getting access to a system that they didn't previously have access to uh, and being able to play a a role in the banking sector um, where really there were only, you know, five to 10 real players in Canada that, that, that really were playing any meaningful part in how it took shape. Kato, so what would be the best way for people to contact you if they want to pick your brain more when it comes to open banking, maybe even learn a little bit more of Lending Loop? What would be the best way to contact you? Do we Snapchat you? Do we tweet you? Can we do we, do we contact you via smoke signal? Like what would be the best way to contact you? <laughs> I'd say, yeah, smoke signal is probably number one. But if you can't reach me by smoke signal, then uh, uh, I, I, I am on Twitter, um, so you can find me on there. And um, also check out, I definitely encourage everyone to check out Lending Loop. Uh, it's a really awesome way to uh, kind of use your money to invest in Canadian small businesses. Um, it's uh, website's just lendingloop.ca. Um, so if you haven't checked it out already, definitely I would encourage anyone who's listening to check that out. And uh, yeah, like I said, I appreciate you kind of taking the time, tweet at me or, or smoke screen me if, uh, if you're looking for me. Smoke should be kind of difficult, but uh, that, that should be whoever, yeah, whoever, whoever out there like finds finds you through via smoke screen. That's that's a, that's a very special individual for sure. That's that's Gato. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I had, I mean, I've I've learned a lot more about open banking than I thought I did. So this is this has been incredible, and I'm very excited to have you on the show again. Cool. Yeah. No. Uh, great. Great. Great chatting with you. Yeah, no worries. So on the behalf of the NCFA, Canada's leading national fintech and crowdfunding association, I wish you an amazing Fintech Friday and weekend.